Hi, you're listening to another sermon from Deep Creek Anglican Church. Well, good morning again. A special welcome to those who may have joined us during the, uh, the opening songs and our notices. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Ben. I'm the Assistant Minister here. Now, if you have been following us as we've been journeying through 1 Corinthians and you've been counting, you're probably working out that today we're up to number 14. And you'd be right. 1 Corinthians 14 is actually really important. Uh, It's really the chapter where the Apostle Paul, he brings together God's... So I'll move a bit closer to the mic, how's that? Uh, Brings together God's focus and desire for what our gathered worship looks like. And because it is such an important chapter, we actually originally planned to spend two weeks on it. Uh, And so next week, uh, we are delighted to welcome Bruce McIntosh, who's had some ministry at this church in the past. Delighted to welcome him back as he shares some of what's on his heart from this chapter as well. But but since uh, Megan isn't able to join us today to preach on this chapter, uh, we both decided that uh, rather than me pulling together some things last minute, um, it would be more edifying for us as a church for me to share something a bit more big picture. Uh, We've been speaking in these weeks as we've been working through 1 Corinthians about being a church that is empowered, that is uh, enabled by the ministry of the Spirit. You know, we are a church that exists in a time where Jesus is not physically walking around the earth. We are in the age of the Spirit. In fact, our 1 Corinthians series as a whole has been called Church in the Spirit. And so today, I want to invite us to think a bit more about what that actually means. What is it like to be a church that is in the age of the Spirit? And with that in mind, let me pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word to us. As we come before you as your church in the Spirit, may your word come to us with power. I pray that you would speak to us as a church, that you would encourage us in what we're doing really well and convict us where we need to change. I also ask that you would speak to each of our hearts, individually and personally, so that we would be thoroughly equipped and be bold for the calling on our life. In the name of our Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Have you ever found yourself wishing that you could just see Jesus for yourself? Have you ever longed just to, just to be able to, to meet him face to face? Like, Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, on days like today where the unexpected happen, like, wouldn't it be awesome if I could just pull some strings and say, well, we've got a guest preacher today. It's, it's Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing? And I don't know about you, but there are some times in my life I have these moments where I'm like, I wish I could just see you for myself, Jesus, and I can just know that this is going to be worth it. This life you've called me to is worth it. Because it is a costly life that we've been called to, isn't it? 
We've been learning in the, in the months beforehand, we've, we're being called to live a, a life of radical holiness, of costly a willingness to sacrifice our freedoms for the sake of other people, to live in unity, and to have a radical self-giving love for one another. Like, like, don't you just wish that you could see Jesus for yourself so that we would know that this life is worth it? So we could know that that is worth it. Well, we as the church, we worship a resurrected saviour. We've been singing about that this morning. And we as the church are the body of Christ. As it said in 1 Corinthians 12, But then as uh, Sarah opened up the book of Acts to us today, we get a bit of a surprise. Because by by the end of the chapter, in fact, just by verse 9 of Acts, Jesus is gone. How strange is that? Because like Acts, it says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so, so we get this idea that Acts as a book is going to be something which we learn about what Jesus continues to keep doing and teaching. And then suddenly, next thing we know it, he's not there. It's pretty confusing. And then even more than this, Jesus, he speaks to his disciples. And he actually says, he says, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. And we're left thinking, how could that possibly be for their good, that he's going away? Like, how could the ascension of Jesus be for our good today? Like, it's a big question for us to wrestle with, both, both individually, both personally, as well as for us as a church. Because Jesus is basically saying to us that him being ascended is better for us, even better than having him physically here with us today. Why would he say that? Well, let's have a look at what the Bible has to say on this. And we are going to be jumping around a little bit in our passages, but I'll have them all up on the screen for us. In In the book of Acts that we just heard before, we follow the disciples. They're now called the apostles. And from verse 3, Jesus, he has been raised from the dead. And for a period of 40 days, he travels around with his disciples and he appears to them and he teaches them about the kingdom of God. And right from the start of the Gospels, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, the kingdom of God has been the central thing that he's spoken about. It's the, the, the reignly king, the reignly king uh, the, the kingly reign of God's rule in this world. And the thing is that Jesus claimed that in him, this kingly reign of God in the world had actually come. He, he says that the time is here. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe. And so now, after Jesus has been raised from the dead, and this must have been an amazing time for the apostles, wouldn't it? Because like, you can just imagine them thinking, like, Okay, so the, the, that gruesome death stuff that happened a month ago, yeah, that was a bit of a setback. But now, now Jesus is back 
from the dead. He is going to build his kingdom. All right, Jesus, let's build this kingdom. Let's do this. And so then in verse 6 of this chapter, they eagerly ask him, they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But Jesus basically replies and says, guys, you don't really know what's going on, do you? The way that God is going to continue to act in his people is in a surprising way. You are going to be a church in the spirit. And so then he replies, he said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And so the apostles are left staring at a blank blue sky, wondering what on earth is going on. And my guess is that most of us here probably haven't thought about the ascension of Jesus very much lately. But if we want to, rec- if we want to really know and understand what it is to be a church in the Spirit, and particularly understand how a church in the Spirit is somehow better than having Jesus physically with us today, well, then, then God wants us to understand what the ascension means. God wants us to, to know what that actually why why the ascension is such a big deal and why that is good for us. Uh, because the picture we get from, from the New Testament is that the ascension is good for us. It is good for us. And so I've tried to make this easy for us to remember uh, in four uh, four diagram uh, directions, okay? So hopefully we'll remember this. So the ascension is good for us because it points up and down, in and out. Sounds like I'm doing an aerobics thing. Oh, down, in. Anyway, hopefully, hopefully by the end it will be drilled into your mind and that's what I want. So we're going to have a look at each of these uh, briefly in turn. And my hope and my prayer is that by the end, not only will we come to see the ascension as, as a good thing, but that it would be something which is wonderful. For us, and we would delight in what God has done in the ascension. Okay, so the first thing is that the ascension it points up. Now, in one sense, the word ascend does literally mean to, to just go up, doesn't it? I mean, I, I ascended the steps to get up here. But at the end of Luke's gospel, and at, uh, in Acts chapter 1 that we saw, when it says that Jesus ascended, it doesn't mean that he just kind of like had a, had a change of altitude, you know, how he's somehow, somehow like in the stratosphere or orbiting in space like a satellite. Yes, it is true that he did go up, but it's actually pointing to something far more significant than that. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Back in September, we heard the news that our Queen Elizabeth passed away. And immediately her son, Charles, took place as the reigning monarch. And as this happened, 
Uh, as this uh, particular ceremony happened in St. James's Palace, the media reported that King Charles III had formally ascended to the throne. Now, I suppose in one sense they could have meant that, that he, he kind of stepped up so he could sit on the nice chair. But of course, that, that's not what the language means, is it? Well, when we say ascending, it means ascending, it's a rise to a new position of authority. King Charles ascended. So where did Jesus ascend to? Well, every time the Bible speaks about the ascension, Jesus has ascended to the throne of God in heaven. He ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father. I once heard a joke, which you can, uh, which you can feel free to repeat. Um, why does God always have to use his left hand? Because Jesus is sitting on his right hand. There you go. Feel free to use that uh, free of charge. But anyway, but, 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 but jokes aside, right? Jesus ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father. The eternal Son who was once in heaven with the Father from before time began, he has now completed his earthly ministry and is now returned to heaven to be enthroned. And so to say that Jesus ascended is to say nothing less than, than Jesus is now enthroned as the king of the universe. So the ascension points up. Je- to Jesus, he's now ascended, enthroned with authority. And this is good for us because it means that no matter how chaotic life seems to be, no matter how bad persecution in the church seems to be, no matter how many health struggles and things that are out of our control, we can remember that Christ is still on his throne. Christ is still on his throne. A number of years ago, uh, when the, the US election had a very um, uncertain result towards the end. There was a lot of uncertainty around exactly uh, who was elected and things. And in amongst all this, I remember reading this Christian response. It simply said, election results are in, Christ still on his throne. When we hear of the persecution of Christians in Iran, when we, when we see terrible violence and bombings happening between Gaza and Israel, when we hear about aid workers in Sudan being killed, when a global pandemic infects 629 million people and taking the lives of 6 million of those, we can be driven to despair, can't we? But remember... Because Christ has ascended, Christ is still on his throne. And that is good for us. When life seems out of control, we need to hold on to the one thing that is firm and secure. So the ascension points up to the enthroned Jesus, the king of the universe. The ascension also points down. And what I mean by this, and particularly this is what we've been exploring as we've been going through 1 Corinthians, 
The ascension, it signals a new age of empowering and enabling by the Holy Spirit. It's enabling of God's people for action down here on the ground. Earlier, I recall, I recall John, uh, Jesus' words to his disciples in John 16, where he says, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. But here's the next thing, 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 thing that he says. He says, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The advocate is one of the ways that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit. And the ascension, it is good for us because it means that the Spirit has come down on his church. And that is what the church needs for the mission that lies ahead. And we saw this too in, uh, in our reading from Acts. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses all across the world. And so Jesus is saying that the ascension is for the good of, for the, for the, good of the church and for the advancement of God's kingdom here on earth. And that's because the kingdom doesn't actually need Jesus to be physically present here. It needs the Holy Spirit. We are a church in the Spirit, and that is good for us. The Holy Spirit coming down is even better for the church than if Jesus was, is still physically with us. I know that's hard for, for me to get my head around. Maybe it is for you too. But God wants us to trust that what Jesus says is for our good, uh, is actually for our good. And the ascension and the empowerment of the Spirit, it enables action. It gives us action towards the mission which God is calling us to, both individually as well as as a church. The Spirit, it empowers us to be a welcoming, growing, multi-generational church. It empowers us, it enables us to experience and tell others about the refreshing faith that is freely available in Jesus. Through the Spirit coming down, God empowers his church from inside here with the gifts that it needs. And we've been learning about this in the past few weeks. The Holy Spirit enables all of this and more. The ascension, it is good for us because it points up and it points down. But the ascension also points in. Earlier I asked if you, like me, wish that you had the opportunity to, to get to know Jesus face to face. Well, the ascension is good for us because it actually enables a, a new relational access and intimacy with Jesus that was not actually possible before. You see, as wonderful as it would have been to have G Jesus physically present with us, the reality is that one man can't be everywhere. And if you've read the Gospels, Jesus was quite a popular man. Like people were literally climbing up trees and digging holes in roofs just to get close to him. 
And this sort of thing happened because Jesus, he was restricted by, by time and space because he became a human just like us. But what if someone was no longer restricted by those things? And that's what's so great about the ascension. See, the ascension actually means that we have a greater level of relational intimacy and access to Jesus than was possible even for these first century disciples. This is really uh, intriguing. If we can go back to ProPresenter, that'd be great. Seb, thanks. Lovely, thank you. Uh, in John 20, uh, this is after, the, after Jesus' resurrection, we have this remarkable little episode. Uh, there's an interaction between the risen Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And the passage is fairly familiar to some of us. See, Mary goes to the tomb, and, and at this point she's expecting to see the tomb closed and, and the body inside, and she's come to anoint the, uh, the body with spices. And yet when she arrives, she sees that the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty and Jesus is nowhere to be seen. You can just imagine the, the shock and the grief that is going through her mind in this moment. Like, like It's like... I don't even have the dignity of being able to, to be with the body. So confused. And then she sees a man. And after speaking with this man, she realises that Jesus is speaking to her face to face. And she does what, what any of us would do if we had suddenly been reunited with, with a loved one that we thought we'd lost. And she hugs him. She clings to him. She's like holding on. It's like as if to say, I never want to lose you again. And yet listen to how Jesus responds to her. I might have to get you to advance these slides myself. Sorry, Seb. Uh, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. What an intriguing thing to say to Mary. Uh, American pastor Tim Keller, he makes a really interesting observation about this passage. And I love what he said. I'll read it to you. When Jesus said, don't hold on to me, I am ascending to my Father, he was indicating that after he ascended, she'd have access to an even stronger love relationship. Why? Because then he would literally never leave her, and he would not be just in her arms sometimes, but in her heart always. He's saying nothing at all will ever be able to take me away from you. And this is why the ascension is good for us. Through the ascension and the gift of the Spirit, Christ comes to dwell in us. We've learned already in 1 Corinthians that, that we as the church, as well as individuals, are a place where a sanctuary, a temple where Christ comes to dwell in us. And when this ascended Jesus through the Spirit comes to dwell in us, 
He will never leave. Nothing can ever take that away from us. Nothing can ever take that away from you. I remember, if we can go to the next slide, I remember hearing about some, some persecuted Christians in China. And they were describing uh, their experience in the prison uh, where they would, uh, they, would be sm- they would have pages of scripture smuggled in, little pages from the Bible smuggled in, and they would, they would quickly commit them to memory uh, before passing them on to the next person, uh, before, before the guards took them away. And this particular reporter asked one of these prisoners, why were you doing this? And she replied, that's why we memorise it as fast as we can. Because even though the guards can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. They can't take what's hidden in your heart. And this reality is true for us today. You see, if you're ever worried that, that, that Jesus will ever leave you or that something that you've done in your past or maybe even an experience you're in right now can, can somehow pull him away from his presence and his love, maybe you're worried that because we can't see him face to face that we'll never have an actual relationship with Jesus. What Jesus is saying here is... Because I have ascended and I've given you my spirit, I have come to live in your heart. And I will never leave you. You can know me. Whether you're trapped at the bottom of a coal mine, whether you're alone in the desert, whether you're self-isolating from COVID, whether you're in prison for your faith, I will be there with you and nothing can take me away from you. And this is why the ascension, it points in. The ascended Christ comes to dwell in our hearts by the Spirit. And he enables a powerful, intimate and real relationship with him. This is church in the Spirit. And that is good for us. The ascension, it points up, down, in and finally it points out. Listen to these wonderful words from Romans 8. If we can have the next slide, that would be awesome. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, who more than that was raised to life, is ascended, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What does this mean? Well, Paul is saying that the ascension means that Jesus is now our royal advocate, our kingly, priestly mediator before God. And that's why the ascension points out too. So I don't know if you ever stop to wonder, what is Jesus doing right now? Like, what, what is he actually doing now on, on this Sunday, the 30th of, no, uh, of October? What is he actually doing now? Because I, I think sometimes we can, we can reduce Jesus to this, this guy that lived like 2,000 years ago who did some awesome stuff. 
You know, he died, he rose. But then we find it difficult to kind of know what's, what's happening today. Like, what is Jesus doing today? Or if, perhaps even worse, we can reduce him to an idea. It's like, oh, if, you, if I believe in Jesus, then I get this. It's like a transaction. But like Jesus, he, he is a person. What is he doing now? You know, I, I honestly, uh, when I was asked this question in a youth group, I, I responded, well, he must have been slacking for the last 2,000 years. That's honestly what I thought. Like, if, if Jesus has done what he's had to do, then, like, he's just chilling. But what does the ascension tell us? Well, this passage in Romans, it says that Jesus, the ascended Jesus, is now interceding for us. That means he is now a mediator. And it's not just in this passage. There's a whole bunch of other passages. Here's another three up on the screen uh, from, from different writers in the New Testament. See, in 1 Timothy 2, we see that there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. And John, he writes, if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The writer of Hebrews encourages us with his wonderful words. Jesus is able to save us, save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. The ascension is good for us because it means that Jesus is in heaven right now as our advocate Jesus presents us, he represents us, he defends us, he pleads for us in the throne room of God. He's like the best lawyer you could possibly imagine. I know sometimes lawyers get this bad cliche about them, but at its goal, a a lawyer's role is to be an advocate, to, to, to defend you, to present your case in the best possible way it can. And again, I love what what Tim Keller writes about this particular uh, insight. He says, remember that if you are to appear in court, everything depends on your defence lawyer, your advocate. If your advocate is brilliant, you appear brilliant. If he wins his argument, you win your case. If your advocate knows the law and is highly respected by the court, your case is secure. It doesn't matter how flawed or foolish you are. When the eyes of God the Father look at you, they see the ascended Jesus. When they listen to you, they hear him. If anyone has seen the iconic Australian movie, The Castle, you would know that the power, the the significance of having the right advocate pleading your case. If we can have the blank side, that would be great. Thanks, Seb. And this is why we confess our sins at church and be confident that we know that God the Father will forgive us our sins. It's not because our sins before God aren't real. They certainly are. We can be confident because we have our confidence in our advocate. Because the ascended son is our royal advocate and he is flawless at his work.
It's why we pray in Jesus' name. It's not just a, an automatic signal that we're getting to the end of our prayer. Next time you pray in Jesus' name, think about this. We are praying, we are coming before the throne room of heaven in our, the name of our mediator, our royal advocate, the ascended Jesus. We are praying in his name that God would listen to us. And he does, because he is our royal advocate and he is flawless at his work. I believe nothing expresses this, this loving royal advocacy of the ascended Jesus uh, better than the wonderful song before the throne of God above. And we're going to be singing it together in just a moment. But as we're thinking about Jesus advocating for us, even those times where we might feel that our sin makes us unworthy to come into the presence of God because of things that we've done or maybe things that, things that have been done to us, even the temptations that we might face, even if it's from Satan himself. I love the lyrics of this song, verse 2. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there, the ascended Jesus, who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. The, the ascension, it is good for us because it points out where Jesus, our royal advocate, is ever living, ever pleading for us. This is a church in the spirit, and that is good for us. I know that living without seeing Jesus face to face is hard. It's hard for all of us. But we do get to look ahead to this wonderful reality in Revelation 22, where it says that, one day God will bring us into his full presence with all of his people where all who love and trust Jesus will see him face to face. But until then, as a church living in the spirit, let's embrace the ascension of Jesus and all the immense good that it is for us because it points up, down, in and out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of our advocate, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the ascension and for the way that it points up to the enthroned King of the universe, for the way that enabled the sending down of your spirit to empower all your people for the incredible access and relational intimacy of having Christ dwell in us by your Spirit, and for the mighty work of your Son as our advocate before you. Father, would you ground us in the love and security that comes from the ascension? And by your Spirit, we ask that you enable us to be the church that you call us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.